Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual, CFP, Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then this is your forum to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard. To put our client's interest ahead of our own in any business dealing, and that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area as we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. you got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, TSP, 403B, 457, mortgage options, social security strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. Good evening. I was uh, thinking today, we usually focus a lot on financial planning because we feel very strongly that you should get financial planning advice first and then look at look for investment advice but tonight we're going to talk about investment decisions and the psychology behind bad investment decisions so that hopefully you can learn from others mistakes and and try to identify your own uh, biases or blind spots so that you avoid some of these common pitfalls and traps that we see people fall victim to. Yeah, investment management is a core competency of ours. And like you were saying, although uh, it's important, it's fundamentally important to achieving long-term financial security, good investment management is, um, it's probably only about 25% of our value to our clients, we think. Uh, about 75% of our value, we feel, uh, comes through financial planning analysis, financial planning recommendations. It's there where we can add tens, hundreds, sometimes millions of additional dollars of net worth 
over a client's lifetime. But investment management is the engine that drives a lot of that. So it's important to discuss what is good investment management because there are a thousand different ways to do investment management, um, and everyone thinks they have the one way, uh, of course. Um, we will go through some of the strategies and some of the philosophies that we believe in that are time-tested, that are enduring, that are that have proven over long periods of time to be successful, and then uh, allow you to make your own choice there. But hopefully you'll find these uh, tidbits helpful. The first thing we need to talk about, though, is human nature. So when it comes to investing, we are all absolutely our own worst enemy. We all get excited by profits. We get scared when there are losses. We let our emotions and our minds play tricks on us, and that inevitably often leads to making terrible investing decisions. You know, everybody knows the basic rule of thumb, buy low, sell high. But our flight or fight or flight impulses that are ingrained in us um, are telling us that when things are high, we should be buying. And when things are low, we panic and we sell. So this is, is pretty evident, actually, if you look at the statistics of in individual investors' return versus the market return. So if you were a if you had just invested in an index and bought and whole held it over the past 20 years, your average annual rate of return would be seven, seven and a half percent. But an individual investor's average return has been much less, probably five or six percent over that time period. Yeah, it's a pretty famous study in the investment management world that gets updated every year is what did the average investor earn compared to other asset classes or other market indices. And yeah, so the S&P 500 index, uh, one of the most widely followed indexes in the country uh, over the last 20 years has averaged about four and a half, uh, I'm sorry, seven and a half percent average annual growth rate each year year. But the average investor, and this is higher number than it's been in the past, mm -hmm. so either market returns have been favorable or people are getting a little bit smarter, but just a shade under 6% over the last 20 years. Now, that's not bad, but I will say when you do the math, and we know this uh, internally, uh, how investment management works, 1% difference over an extended period of time is a huge amount when it comes to the additional dollars that you have. So when it's one and a half percent compared uh, the the index compared to the average investor, then that's a big number. Um, so what is causing the average investor? And these are typically the do-it-yourselfers uh, to underperform general basic indices. Yeah, we're all susceptible to these things. The first one is FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? 
Uh, well, I, <laughs> yes, I, I this is a, a term that gets used in my family a lot because <laughs> we all have it as a non-millennial. <laughs> I do know that it means fear of missing out. Yes. And I have this bad. I do not like to miss out. I do not like anyone to have fun without me. Uh, so I understand, but FOMO fear of missing out when it com- comes to investing is a real thing. So we are we have herd mentality and when we start to hear of everybody jumping in the market or jumping into a certain investment or stock, we jump on the bandwagon and we can at times follow it right off a cliff because it was the popular thing to do and we didn't want to be the the dummy who didn't buy GameStop or GameStop or uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> And that's being uh, borne out in some of the new stock trading apps that have come on the marketplace recently, Robinhood uh, being one of the more well-known that have sort of gamified the idea of investing and given you tokens or trinkets or confetti when you do something, when you buy or sell and hooray, (laughs) we're participating. Uh, and it sounds like fun. Well, here here's the, the inside scoop. It, good investment management is boring. Good investment management is systematic, process-driven, and formulaic. If you're just throwing money at hot names because your friends are all talking about that and you fear not getting on the bandwagon, that's not investing. That's speculating or gambling. It'll catch up with you. You're doing it wrong. Yes. So uh, the remedy, I think, is to be, first of all, be aware of this. Know that if something is trending on TikTok uh, or wherever you get your news or information, it's probably a little too late. Professional investors have already been way out in front of this. And by the time you're hearing about it, um, it's probably overvalued and everyone has jumped on the bandwagon. So it's better to uh, come up with a long-term approach and invest for the long-term. And when you're choosing your investments, choose them for the intrinsic value or the underlying value, the value in what that company provides, the services or the goods, um, or in terms of, you know, what role it will play in your portfolio, not in terms of what the keeping up the Joneses are doing, keeping up with the Joneses. And I will estimate that, oh, probably at least 80 to 95, 90% of people who invest themselves don't even know what you are just talking about there when it comes to the valuation of a company or how to properly value a company, or even if they can value the company, if that to properly analyze whether that value is high or low, Um, because that's the coursework that they typically teach at higher level college courses. And unless you are a corporate finance major, then you probably never got exposed to it. And while it's certainly learnable through other sources, most people don't invest the time, effort, and energy into learning those things. So what you should do, I estimate overwhelmingly the majority of people don't do. So right off the bat, you're kind of facing an uphill battle. Right, and that's why we like the the use of mutual funds and exchange-traded funds rather than individual stock holdings because um, with an 
a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, you have a manager that's making those buy and sell decisions within the fund for you and choosing which companies or stocks have value and are worth investing in. Um, Unless that's your full-time job, then you're probably just taking stabs in the dark or guesses. Yeah, I prefer investment vehicles, um, some active managed mutual funds, and a fair number of uh, unmanaged uh, index-like exchange-traded funds. Both mutual funds and ETFs, exchange-traded funds, have some similarities. Uh, Both are a bucket to hold anywhere between typically 25 to upwards of 500 individual stocks. So, So, Yes, investing in a, in individual stocks is a different animal than investing through mutual fund, in stocks through mutual funds or exchange traded funds. And for most individual investors, they don't have to subject themselves to the individual stock risk in one company. A company can go out of business, which means its stock will go to zero and stay there and you've permanently lost that money. That risk is basically taken off the table when you invest through mutual funds or exchange-traded funds because they are instantly diversified investment vehicles. So that's uh, we're going to pause right here and take a short break. But tonight we're talking about uh, some of the investment influences that cause people to um, make suboptimal decisions and underperform long-term investment averages. Uh, If you have a question or comment relating to this or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. We've been talking about the psychology behind your worst investment decisions, um, some of the things that play into our decision-making when it comes to investment management and how that doesn't always serve your investment plan. We talked about, first and foremost, FOMO, fear of missing out, so jumping on the bandwagon when everyone else is talking about a popular investment. The second psychological, or we'll call it a behavioral factor that we need to be aware of is called overconfidence. So when we we overestimate our abilities, we think we know better than everybody else what the market is going to do next. And what we'll say about that is, 
no one knows what the market is going to do next for certain. Certainly some people can get lucky from time to time, but there is no one that can consistently, accurately predict exactly what the market is going to do. In the short run. Right. And the short run is certainly day to day. Uh, the short run is a week. The short run is a month. Uh, in investing, we consider short run anything from one to three years. So, um, yes, it the, the, the market cannot be timed. That is proven. It is random in the short term on day-to-day movements. Um, but yet that doesn't stop a whole bunch of people of thinking that they can predict where it's going to go in the short term. Uh, I, one of my sort of uh, hobbies of mine is to, to – I'm on a couple other chat boards uh, that usually relate to sports, but they usually – some aspect of the board talks about uh, finances. And it's amazing how many people on the finance chat boards have strong opinions about – where the Dow or where the S and P is going to go, you know, in the next the the in the next week or yeah. in the next month. <laughs> yes, I'm like that is fascinating to me that people with such certainty and conviction mm-hmm. would talk about these things uh, as if they had some sort of inside knowledge of how it's going to perform. I'm we're professionals. Mm-hmm. We live and breathe this stuff every day. We don't know. No one knows. Anyone who tells you they know is lying in the short run, okay? In long run, we can use statistics and statistical analysis to give us a high probability, not a guarantee, but a high probability of conviction of where the investment market might be, say, 7 to 10 years into the future. That's when we get some predictability, a level of predictability around what our investment decisions might turn out to be. And that's why you should approach your approach your investment plan with a long time frame, with a long looking lens so that you don't react continuously to the short term ups and downs of the market. And the next bias that we are all susceptible to is called confirmation bias. So that's when we are living in an echo chamber, and this can apply to anything, not just investing, but we as humans tend to seek out information that confirms our beliefs. Of course we want to be right. We want to make sense of the world and we want to have confidence in our investment plan. Um, But you need to make sure that you're seeking out complete information, not just information that confirms your your opinion. Yeah, one of the uh, basic tenets of good financial um, analysis and investment management is to try to have a contrarian viewpoint from the consensus of the market. Um, something that, you know, essentially when everyone is zigging, you would like, you prefer to zag. In the short term, that can be difficult to do and painful sometimes in the short term. Long run, that's usually a good strategy for outperformance if you can stick to a good investment discipline. So really following the herd or confirming what you already believe to be true is typically suboptimal, let's call it, from an investment management standpoint. You should always be challenging your investment thesis. Mm, yes, good word.
Okay, then the next bias or human instinct that really, really, really does cause problems when it comes to investing is loss aversion. So our brains are wired to feel pain and loss more intensely than we get pleasure from gains or wins or positive events. So that means losing $100 feels twice as bad as winning $100. And there are lots of studies that show this proof. So what happens with investors is when the markets start going down, they want to sell because they're worried about losing more and will do anything to stop the bleeding. And then typically they end up selling at the worst possible moment and making a a decision that's going to impact their plan for the long term. The pain of the loss aversion causes you to do improper, irrational things. Be careful. All right, we've got to pause right here for the news. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. Get those calls in now. 627-7979. Mark, we see you up there. Hang on. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. There you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we will get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for, is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you've got more nuanced questions that can't be answered by our website, you can go ahead and give us a call at the office, speak to a live human being, 456-2200. I want to remind everybody our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, February 8th at 6 p.m. as usual. Or you can catch the show as a rebroadcast sometime early on Saturday morning following the show. And if you can't catch us live or the rebroadcast on Saturday, then we are a podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, search for Dollars and Common Sense, download us, take us with you wherever you go, listen at your leisure. All right, tonight we're talking about some common investment mistakes that the average do-it-yourself investor tends to make to lower their overall long-run rate of return. If you want to jump in on the conversation about that or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, give us a call, studio line 627-7979. Right now we're going to run out to Virginia Beach and speak with Mark. Good evening, Mark. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Thanks for holding. Uh, no problem. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question is, most financial advisors seem to be using 3% uh, as an inflation rate for retirement planning. And with the inflation rate being much higher than that right now, I was wondering what you thought about what should be used. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good good question there, Mark. Um, so the long-term 
uh, inflation rate is 3% or 3.1% over the last approximately 100 years. Now, obviously, with averages, just like your average return, you can deviate wildly from that average from time to time. We've actually been in a real good run for the last uh, over decade, I would say, inflation year over year has been below trend, been below 3% uh, for a long time. So we've only just recently in the last, uh, say, quarter or maybe even a year, if we stretch it out, experienced some above trend inflation. So from a planning standpoint, we still believe that 3% is a good long-term planning number. And that should not uh, we should not deviate dramatically from that just because of what's happening in recent times. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah. Uh, would that also apply if you were going to retire in the next year or two? Yeah, I, I think it, it does. I mean, we we would be using three percent as a the planning inflation number. For the next, you know, as we do our projections, that's the number that we use for the next 10, 20, and 30 year projections that we do for our clients. It's still a good planning number. I know there's concern that higher than average inflation is on the horizon, and that very may well be. But that also, you know, can change. That could be for another year or two, but that's not long term. That's still considered short term from our perspective. Okay. Does that help? I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Mark, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979 if you have a question or comment relating to what we're talking about or anything having to do with your own personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call. Yeah, we do hear a lot of concerns about inflation recently, and that's why we feel so strongly in good investment policy because investing in long-term equities is the best hedge or the best way to outpace inflation over the long term. So we help our clients maintain a growth-oriented portfolio where the you know stock market has averaged 10% annual average return over the past 20 years. 30 years um, versus inflation at three, even if it creeps up to four or five, you're still significantly outpacing inflation and preserving your purchasing power. So that's why investing is so important. Right. And why we don't recommend that people put too much money in bank type of assets like savings accounts, checking accounts, money markets, um, CDs. Those instruments provide the illusion of safety because they don't fluctuate in value very much. Um, but they also don't keep pace with inflation. And so every year you're actually losing a little purchasing power to the corrosive effects of inflation. And like I was talking about at the top of the show, a 1% differential, you know, is a huge number in dollars when it comes to a long time horizon, a long hold period, like 20 or 30 years. So if you're only getting 1% in your bank account, but inflation is averaging three, you're underperforming by 2% every year. That's going to catch up That'll with you. Add up. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've been talking about investment 
mistakes or the psychology behind some of your investment mistakes, we're all human. And as humans, we are hardwired to make certain assumptions or certain bad decisions when it comes to investing. The last one we just talked about before the break was loss aversion, which I think is one of the ones that so many people fall victim to. That's when you start seeing a decline in your investments and you sell out to stop the bleeding. Think of it this way. If you are thinking about whether you should buy or sell an investment, swap out the word investment and let's sub something else like cereal. What if you were going to make a decision on whether you should buy or sell cereal? (laughs) If you went to the grocery store and you saw cereal on sale, you'd be like, oh, I should buy and I should buy double. I should stock up, go to Costco and buy in bulk. Um, that's how you want to be thinking about your investments. When your investments go on sale, that's the time to buy. It's not the time to sell where you permanently lock in your losses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have a hard time grasping that concept, or at least maybe intellectually they understand it, their head understands it, but the heart overrules the head. And when we are going through a significant decline or pullback in the market, it feels like the world is on fire, uh, that everything around you is crumbling and we are headed for Armageddon. It's hard to look past that and commit to buying when things are on sale. Because when stocks are on sale, there's usually a short-term reason for it or concern about it that makes people nervous. You've got to look past that and, and focus on long term. I, I, I can assure you, whenever we have a market pullback or decline and we buy for our clients uh, with, with excess cash that might have built up in the account, when we look back a year, two, three years, we always, that's where you get your highest long run returns. When you had the courage or the system in place to force yourself to buy low through a downturn. So having a system and a process helps you overcome the emotion that wants to prevent you from doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And to kind of go along with that, one of the other, I think, key things that we as human beings struggle with is the idea of just doing nothing. So sometimes the best course of action is nothing is just to stick to the plan and wait it out. Uh, I think we feel like we've got to take some action. We've got to try to to correct course. But that then means we're trading too often and we're probably trading at the exact wrong time because we're doing it for emotional reasons, not for in methodical planning reasons. Yeah, if you don't have an investment policy, if you don't have an investment plan, and this doesn't have to be written down in a document, you just have to have an ethos. You have to have conviction that you know that your investment plan is solid. If you don't have that, then that will cause you to want to do something when markets decline. When in fact, if you have the strategy and the plan in place, that's usually the time to do nothing, or if anything, take the buying opportunity 
to buy more. All right, we got to step aside one last time, take a short break. Paul, we'll see you up there. If you can hang on through the break, we'll get to you right after that. 627-7979 if you have a question or comment about what we're talking about tonight. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there. We'll get that information out to you later on this week, and that's all we will use your name and address for. Our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, February 8th, live at 6 p.m. as usual. Or you can get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. All right, 627-7979, studio line. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, we'd love to hear from you. Right now, we're going to hear from Paul in Virginia Beach. Good evening, Paul. You're on Dollars in Common Sense. Hello, Paul. Hey, hey, Paul. Are you still there, Paul? We may have lost Paul. Right, well, we can put Paul on hold and maybe come back to Paul. Paul, I know you're there. So, all right. Well, if we get, we'll get to Paul if we if if he shows back up on the phone lines. <laughs> um, okay, we were talking about some of the mistakes, behavioral mistakes that the individual investors typically make to lower their long run rate of return and cause them to underperform dramatically uh, from long-term investment rates that they could otherwise enjoy. Um, So we've been through a fair list of those. One of the things that we should talk about is, okay, how do you do it then? How do you do it right? If if most people do it wrong, or at least do it suboptimally, how should you do it? All right. Well, we'll give you a big picture framework of how we do it uh, to ensure that our clients enjoy the highest possible risk-adjusted returns for what we're trying to accomplish. So here are the main drivers of performance from our standpoint. Number one, as you may have guessed throughout this conversation, is investor behavior. What you do or don't do from an investing standpoint, what you, how much you invest or don't invest, when you invest or don't because you're either because you – you're waiting for the downturn or you think stocks are too high or you're scared about where the market level is now, your buying and selling decisions are the largest determinant of your long-run rate of return. So in order to give yourself the greatest chance of success, you've got to commit to investing when you have money to invest. When's the best time to invest? When you have the money. 
that's when you invest. When's the best time to sell? When you need the money from your investments. It has nothing, nothing to do with where the Dow Industrial Index is or the S&P 500. It all has to do with your commitment to being an investor or not. That is the largest determinant of your long-run rate of return right there, you. It's kind of like, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions and people that want to, like, lose weight and get fit. There's there's no, like, magic bullet or, you know, hot stock tip that's just going to change your life forever. It's being disciplined and following a plan over long term that will get you results, much like eating healthy and exercising. Mm-hmm. So you have to... Uh, commit to, I'm going to be an investor. I'm going to build up my emergency fund in my bank. I'm going to make sure I have enough money there to take care of the next three to six months if I if I have any sort of emergency befalls me. But over and above that, I'm largely going to take my excess cash flow and contribute to my company retirement plan and make sure that I get it invested in equities. Or I'm going to contribute to an IRA, Roth IRA. Or I'm going to be an investor. That is the number one st- step. And you're going to be an investor for the rest of your your life. Okay. That's step number one. Number two, asset allocation. Now we get a little bit more technical. Asset allocation, the makeup of your investment pie. What are the main categories, allocations of investments do you hold in your portfolio, the whole grouping of your investments? Large, largely speaking, very broadly speaking, those asset classes are Stocks, bonds, cash. That's like very basic and very simple. But how much you hold in each of those categories, stocks, bonds, cash, is the second most important thing to determine your long-run rate of return. The more you have in stocks, the higher your long-run rate of return. The more you keep in cash, the lower your long-run rate of return. So, that's the next biggest factor. Now, there's a lot of subcategories in asset allocation and in stocks and in bonds. We're not going to get into all those. But just know that your, your overall mix of how you invest is the next important determinant. The third most important thing is the cost of the investment vehicles that you use. There was a time when trading activity came with a trading commission and was a relatively high cost to the proper functioning of investment management, buying and selling at, uh, to rebalance a portfolio, say, uh, that has largely gone away. Uh, most commissions are now non-existent to most of all the online brokerage firms uh, and banks. Um, maybe people who call in and verbally give trade orders to uh, individuals, which I'm sure still happens, pay pay someone of a commission. But it's not as much of a friction as it used to be. Where costs do show up are in investment vehicles like mutual funds or exchange trade funds or annuities. Um, and there is where those expense ratios can drag on your performance. So it is prudent to try to get the lowest cost for the type of vehicle that you're trying to use. That does, I I should say, the best value because it's okay to pay more for anything if you're going to get more. And while Vanguard, we love Vanguard, we use some Vanguard products in our clients' accounts, 
Um, they are not number one. They are, you might surprise you know they are not always the cheapest. And then number two, um, they tend to have a certain uh, philosophy um, that is maybe good for do-it-yourselfers, uh, no frills, bare bones, but doesn't work for everybody. So just know that cost is next important. And then finally, the fourth indicator of, uh, of your long-run investment uh, drivers is a toss-up. I got 4A and 4B. Short-run market timing does have a small impact uh, so when you choose to invest, where the market levels are, where your investment mark, uh, your mutual fund, your exchange trade fund, when you buy it, does uh, it's better to buy it low than it is to to buy it high, and then four B, the security selection, the actual stock, bond, mutual fund, ETF that you purchase, that is among the last, least important decision when it comes to your long run investment. Performance. Now, what I have just told you is basically heresy in some circles. Some people, a lot of people, I would still say, make their living selling investment performance and selling you on the idea that their market timing and their security selection is most important to your long-run investment performance. It is not. Factually, it is not. They might be able to outperform uh, briefly over time, but those other bigger decisions have much more influence on your performance than security selection and market timing. Yet we still live in a world where overwhelmingly most people think that is most important when in fact it is not. And that's why we still see so many people going to financial advisors first and foremost for investment advice instead of financial advice and where it should be the reverse. You should be seeking out competent, trustworthy financial advice to help you make the right behavioral decisions first and foremost, because that is going to have the most impact on your long-term financial success and then get into the investment management details. But first and foremost is investor behavior and big financial strategies. And we're talking anywhere money touches your life. It's not just in investments. It's, you know, uh, real estate, mortgage strategies, how much you're saving. I, I just remember when I first was learning this business and I I, it dawned on me, I was like, oh, I can't solve everybody's problem without adjusting their spending and savings. That's like the number one indicator of success. So look for financial advice first and investment advice second. Right. And really, that's how you design the optimal investment plan is first to determine your life goals and how much growth you need out of your investment. And that then drives the asset allocation. And there's no need to uh, compare your investment man, your investment strategy to an index like the S&P 500. Who cares? That's not relevant. What matters is, are you, is your assets growing fast enough to achieve your life goals? Like putting your kids through college, uh, being able to retire on time, not running out of money. And we are running out of time. So we'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday, February 8th. In the meantime, look us up online, Wealthway Advisors. Com. For certified financial planner Allison DeRill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. Paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.